0: Welcome to the Ionahoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Hey now, it's season two, episode eight of the Ionahoops.com podcast. And the Mac preview train keeps rolling along as we welcome the one and only Jaden Daly to this episode to share his thoughts on the Mac race and why he's not as high on the gals as others. We'll give him a hard time about that. Don't worry about that. Uh, We're also gonna preview our first two games of season against Appalachian State on November 9th and Harvard November 13th. Yes, real games are here and it's time to get Gale Nation ready. And it's also time for Iona Iotas. Iona, Iotas. So who's hurt? Who's not? Who knows? It's the Iona Injury Report where your best guess is my best guess. Uh, but thankfully, we've got a couple of on the Iona message board, and we have a little bit of information to report. After the uh, Adelphi scrimmage, Rick Pitino said that Berge uh, Jean-Louis probably got a concussion, and a report on the Iona message board said that upon evaluation, Pitino's update was indeed accurate. Now, the concussion occurred October 30th, uh, and Iona's first game is the 9th, so that's about a 10-day stretch. The NCAA website does not describe an official you're out this long type of policy when it comes to concussions, though their post conduct concussion protocols do suggest that players shouldn't return for a good week or so at minimum. Um, Does this mean that Beric will play on Tuesday? I don't know. Do you? Uh, We'll find out. Uh, But unless his concussion is far worse than we thought, he should be back for the second game, I would think, against Harvard if he misses the opener. And what about Dylan Van Eyck? Remember his injury? Latest rumor I heard suggested he's ahead of schedule on his return, but again, I have to think we won't see him dress uh, for any of those first couple games. I do hope I'm wrong there, and it's quite possible. I am, as it wouldn't be the first time, as my wife would be the first one to tell you. I own We've often talked about the Patino effect hashtag uh, when it comes to recruiting on this podcast. We should also uh, mention that the hashtag when it comes to ticket sales, because my understanding is that Iona's season tickets have more than doubled since Rick Patino has taken over as head coach. Uh, there are also reports on Iona board suggesting that uh, the remaining um, tickets for these next few day games coming up, uh, the, the reserve seats in particular, will, uh, um, are pretty scarce right now. So uh, you might wanna go get them if you want a reserve seat. General admission, of course, is normally where the students are sitting. We're gonna hope that uh, those are filled up and we'll, we'll find out, I guess, soon enough, uh, how much the students are gonna be into this season for the gals. Uh, so I really hope they come out because we need a full Heinz. We, we need that home court advantage, especially for these three games. Iona, Iona, a couple former Gales are donning NBA, NBA G League gear this fall. Isaiah Ross is on the Santa Cruz Warriors roster, while Asante Gist is playing for the Westchester Knicks. The G League opened up play this past Friday night. Uh, Isaiah Ross got a little bit of run. I don't think uh, Asante did. Uh, but we're going to keep an eye on these former Gales moving forward. Good luck to both of them and represent North Avenue, baby. Before we get into full preview mode here, Let's hit the offer roundup.
1: I'm going to make him an offer again with you.
0: Highly recruited 6'3 Juco guard Brian Moore recently announced the final three of Iona, DePaul, and Wichita State. Great news, right? And that his decision was coming today. But unfortunately, the scorer from NEO a instead opted to reopen his recruitment. Still, again, great to make a final list for such a talented player. Uh, Moving on to other recruits, Iona also has an offer out to 2022 6.8 Power Forward, Keither Florence out of PHS Academy in Florida. Florence has offers this fall from SMU, South Florida, Bowling Green, and Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, Finally, we're going to jump to the 2024 recruiting class, and Iona offered 6.8 Guard Forward, Trenton Flowers from Huntington Prep. Flowers has offers from a host of majors, really, uh, including Ole Miss, Cincinnati, OSU, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Georgia Tech, Illinois, Xavier, and Georgia. All right, it's time. Let's take a look at Iona's first two non conference opponents this season Appalachian State and Harvard. The Appalachian State Mountaineers were a somewhat mediocre team last year. But got hot enough at the Sun Belt Conference tourney in March to see its name on the big board last election Sunday, albeit in the player playing round where they eventually fell to Norfolk State in a nail biter. But Appy State returns three starters and 92% of its minutes from last year's team, which makes them a dangerous foe to open a season with. Statistically, you know, they're an interesting team to prepare for, uh, an interesting mix of numbers. The team heavily relies on three-point shooting to the tune of 32nd in the country last year in three-point field goal attempts per field goal attempts. They, 45% of all of their shot attempts last year were from three. 45! Um, this team plays into Iona's strength, of course, as last year, Iona's was one of the best teams in the nation against the three. So let's hope that trend continues this year, especially in the opener. Um, none of Appy State's players are particularly great sharpshooters, but they all put them up. So Iona is going to need to take away the arc. Uh, this team doesn't have a ton of size. That's, of course, another possible advantage for the Gales. Uh, the Mountaineers are balanced on offense, but all five of their projected starters are averaging between 8 and 13 points per game. Um, on defense, they come at you aggressively and try to turn you over. So Iona going to need to value the ball in this one. Um, Despite their style, though, they don't value all that much, so Iona's going to have to earn its trips to the line. Lastly, despite the three-point bombing and the aggressive D, Appalachian State plays slow. They were 310th nationally in tempo a year ago. So the plan in this one is going to get them running with us, deny the three, and value the ball on offense. But again, this is a veteran team we're facing, and it won't be a walk in the park. How do you prepare for a team that didn't even play last year and will not have played yet this season when we see them that's the gale situation with the harvard crimson a traditional ivy power under coach tommy amaker under amaker we've seen harvard get to a few recent NCAA tournaments and even win a couple games there so they're no joke uh, but after a year away can the program really just pick up where they left off you know one constant over the years has been harvard's defense the crimson are particularly tough guarding you in the paint In 2019-20, among the nation's leaders in field goal percentage defense at the rim. Yes, they do keep such stats. (laughs) And they're big enough to continue that tradition. So Iona will need to move the ball well and spread the wealth. And as you can expect, Nelly's going to see double teams at minimum. Uh, So he's going to need to kick out of that without throwing the ball over the place. Um, On offense, Harvard's struggled mightily with turnovers, speaking of throwing the ball over the place. And entering the season, the Crimson roster does not even have an experienced, proven point guard to handle the pressure defense I would expect to utilize in this one. In fact, the only proven scorers for Harvard are senior point guard Noah Kirkwood, who scores 12 a game and hits threes at a 36% clip, and junior forward Chris Ledlam at 73 points per game. How Harvard has recruited incredibly well well, uh, for an Ivy League program given the restrictions they have under Amaker, and they have a solid recruiting class with lots of three-star talent uh, coming in again, Uh, so the surprise element will be something to guard against because who knows if one of these guys are going to just come in and go off. Perhaps a little bit of a lean towards 6'6 freshman guard Louis Lesmond, or Lesmond. Don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he is a rejected starter for them and will be an eye uh, one we'll have to keep an eye on. To summarize, Iona needs patience and balance in the offensive end. And on defense, this will be one this will be one that we want to see that press unleashed. But again, this is Harvard, one of the best mid-major programs in recent years. So the Gaves are going will need, need to play well to win this, even at home. Well, I'm pretty sure everybody who has followed this podcast knows who this guy is. His name is Jaden Daly. He's been doing Daily Dose of Hoops uh, for 12 years now. It sounds like, a, uh, you know, he, I mean, he was doing this before. It was cool to do this kind of stuff, I think. And now everybody wants to do their own little podcast and have their own blog. But Daly made it cool first. Jaden, welcome back to the program.
1: Guy, you're way too kind, even in light of some of the preseason chatter that I, I have put out there. Thank you so much for having me on again, man. I really appreciate that.
0: Well, I uh, you put out your picks a couple of weeks back, and like you said, it led to some preseason chatter, and uh, I've done the same, and other people have put out their own picks, and there's one constant that everybody has, and that's Iona's first, but – two to 11 has been really uh-huh. everybody's doing their own thing I mean, pretty much and uh it's been interesting to see where and the logic behind everybody's picks. so i thought we'd kind of go side by side i'm going to put up some video uh, uh, when i actually get to editing this thing i'll put up some video of uh, of our picks side by side so everybody can see how even you and i as much as we can agree in a lot of things see some things in the Mac a little differently so uh We'll just start at the bottom, I guess, and work our way up. I'm going to go with your picks and then compare them to mine. Uh, Now, you've got the Canisius Golden Griffs at 11th. I had them at 8th. So we're kind of similar there. Um, I'll let you talk about why you think uh, the Griffs are perhaps headed toward the basement, and I'll give you my minor counter argument.
1: Well, the match is a crapshoot every year, especially this year. Really, after second place in the preseason poll, I think it was a consensus that Iona and St. Peter's, once St. Peter's got Casey Nadefo back, would be first and second, respectively. But after that, you can really just throw darts wherever and not be too far out of the realm of possibility from three to 11. My problem with Canisius is this, after Majesty Brandon is gone, Malik Green is the top returning player, sixth man of the year last year, but I'm concerned as to how he'll start games and be the primary alpha. I liked Amadou Fofana as a point guard last season, but he's got a lot more responsibility in front of him, so too does Jordan Henderson. One thing about is though, the supporting cast up in Buffalo always gets better every year. This season, they need to be better, and I think the sense of urgency is probably a little more critical this year.
0: OK, my, my only counter argument to Canisius being that low is that, you know, nobody thought much of them last year and they were mid pack. They were they were the trendy pick, if you remember, uh, entering the MAC tournament. And then mm-hmm. you just fizzled out against Ryder in, in the uh, playing round. Uh, but, you know, they just one of those programs that always seems to do a little better than you think. So I, that's why I put them a little, a little higher than some people. I've got them eighth. Um, so we can go up a a tick here to, uh, Niagara. You've got them 10th. I had them 11th, not much difference uh, there. I did watch Niagara's exhibition game against a, a D3 team the other night. Boy, I mean, I was surprised they put up as many threes as they did in that one um, against the D3 team. You would think they'd work on some other stuff, trying to get the ball inside a bit more. Uh, they didn't have Kwakamensa uh, in that one. I'm not sure why he didn't dress. Uh, but um, what do you think of the Eagles, uh, Purple Eagles? Do you think they can exceed even your expectations?
1: And they didn't have Raheem Solomon either. He's That's taking a right. year off to focus on graduation. I do think if Niagara can get the connection that Greg Paulus wants on both ends of the floor, this team could be better than 10th. I'm concerned about who steps up alongside Marcus Hammond. It might be Shandon Brown. It might be Justin Roberts, who had a great game in the exhibition you mentioned. Shameless plug for my Mac Preview podcast, which is going to come out either Monday or Tuesday. I talked to Mike Myler yesterday, who does a great job covering Niagara for the Gazette up in Buffalo. And one thing that he noticed, There are two new starters on this team, Rob Brown, who's a freshman wing, and Noah Thomas a Juco transfer about 6'4", 6'5", almost like a George Beeman-type mold, but a work in progress as far as he's concerned, adjusting to D1. My other issue is Sam Iorio, the grad transfer from South Alabama. How much is he going to be relied on without Kobe Nwando? The front line is a major concern for me with this group guy.
0: And it feels like it has been for a couple of years up there. It's the one thing that's really held them back. Uh, but they're She's one of those.
1: First th- graduated.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, and they're one of those teams, though, that, you know, they might finish 10th or 11th. And yet they're going to have like those two or three wins against the top tier teams in the league because they're just going to have that hot shooting night or Paulus will have a great uh, game plan or something. It'll just it's going to be one of those years in Mac where I think we we'll see a lot of that, but uh, especially with Niagara. Okay, Uh, well, here's something where we had it exactly the same, Quinnipiac at nine. So I guess it's safe to say that you and I are not buying the uh, hype of uh, what they're bringing back and Marfo's return and Rigoni. uh, And just everybody seems to think they have a lot of talent, maybe not so much faith in the coaching. I don't know. Uh, What are your thoughts on why Quinnipiac won't crack that top half of the league?
1: They do have a lot of talent. The problem is everybody else in front of the lead got in front of them in the lead got better also. And Kevin Marfo doesn't have Seth Pinckney like he had the last time. Pinckney transferred to Florida International. So he's a little more shorthanded up front. Elias King, who only played in four games last season because he had COVID, he, he's back. Baker Dunleavy had great things to say about him. I want to see Channery and Courtright take the next step in the backcourt. I want to see Brendan McGuire be more of a contributor alongside Rigoni. This is a team that has a clear one, two alpha punch, but after that guy, I'm, I'm worried about this group.
0: Hmm. And in perhaps one of the biggest upsets ever, I actually picked Manhattan higher than you did. And you are a Mazzolo guy for sure. Uh, But we do have them again, similar spots. I've got them seventh. got them eighth. Uh, Same thing though. They've got a lot of talent. Um, Sometimes they haven't done as much with it as you would think. Um, one thing, I, I history has shown, though, that when Maz has had the talent, he's won. So that's the one That's the one hesitation I had with putting them too close to the bottom. That's why I had him seventh. Uh, what do you, do you think this is kind of an important year for Manhattan's program as a whole?
1: Absolutely it is. It's a make or break year for the program because, as you said, this program hasn't had a roster this deep and this talented since Massiello won the lead in 2015. They can't shoot, though. That was the problem last year. They couldn't shoot. They couldn't score. That's going to be the issue. Anthony Nelson can't do it himself. Warren Williams has to stay out of foul trouble. Elijah Buchanan needs to be the double-double threat every night. Samba Diallo needs to be consistent. Jose Perez and Josh Roberts, the two transfers, need to be almost like Beeman and Ash. And Ashton Panky, so to speak, off the fourteen and fifteen teams, almost like even an Emmy Andujar too. Manhattan has to take a big step here, and I'm worried about Massiello with two years on his contract. Another bad year would be seven losing seasons since winning the championship in in fifteen. Not not good from a bottom line sense, but you can't really do much better than him.
0: Mm. And here's the thing. I mean, this just shows you what the depth in the math MAC is looking like. I mean, Maziel's got a lot of talent on that roster. He's a guy who's won when he's had talent, and here we are picking them seventh and eighth. I mean, what kind of year is this going to be in the MAC when, when we have we have a situation like in a typical year, this this Manhattan team probably would be picked top four, but uh, here we are having in, the, in that playing round. I mean, that just shows how tight everything's going to be this year.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. So here is the one that I think we have varied with the most. And I, I am going to admit, I have gone going out on a bit on a limb with it. I don't know if anybody else has had Ryder second, like I picked them, uh, but you've what? got, him, you've got him seventh. <laughs> so I, I love Ryder's talent and, and most years Kevin Baggett's got that team at least top half of the standings. And this year he's going to have, two of the best players in a league on his, on the court for him. Uh, I, and just because um, but putting my faith in Baggett here. I think he, his teams have mean, I thought last year was a bit of an anomaly. Um, and that's, that's why I've got them so high. I'm really high on their talent level. I know they've uh, they may not have a lot of depth, but they, but they're, I like their core. Um, and again, I have a lot of faith in Baggett. I think he, his teams usually don't tank. That, I mean, again, last year, I think was more of an anomaly when you, they look like they have much and you look up in the standings and they're fourth and that's on a typical Mac year. So I think in a year like this, where he's got two studs to build around, I think they're going to have an exceptional season. That's just my, my take on that. You've got him seventh. So let's, let's hear what you think. So how's Bryder doing?
1: (laughs) 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 Well, I'll tell you this much. I think everybody knows how I feel about Dwight Murray by now. I, I think he could be a, a player of the year contender on, the, on this team. And my issue with Kevin Baggett is going to be getting the younger guys to develop. You said last year was an anomaly guy, and you're absolutely right. They were young last year and basically only had four or five consistent players. Now it's a little different after Murray and after Vaughn. You have Mervyn James, the transfer, Cedric Altman, who transferred in as well. Alan Powell is going to be just as good as he was last year, if not better. Corey McKeith watch that name. He was the freshman point guard tore his ACL last year and forced Murray to play on the ball. Now Murray's going to be off the ball and he's going to be more of a scorer. That is probably the most exciting part about this Rider team. This is a team that probably will sneak into the top five, but in deference to everybody in front of them, I'm underrating the Bronx a little bit. I, I do think, Bad, it'll sneak in there. I, I he's got to win in the quarters, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's I think uh, leaves a sour got, taste. Yeah, he's got
1: to win in the quarterfinals.
0: Yeah, that's a it's a lot of sour taste that you know everybody has with him in terms of they just can't can't make any kind of run ever in March. Maybe this is the year he does it. Who knows? We'll find out. Uh, but no, I, I, I hear that part of it for sure. But uh, I just like their core. I, I just think they have a lot to go on. And, you know, if they even defend a little better than they did last year, they're going to move up a lot in the standings. So we shall see about that. Uh, the next team that uh, we're going to talk about is... Um, is Marist. And they're one of those teams, again, that everybody's picking all over the place. I've seen him pick second and third. I've seen him pick 10th or 11th. Um, you've got a mid-pack at six. So I'll let you uh, talk about your buddy, John Dunn, and how many teams he's going to done this year uh, with that defense of his.
1: I don't buy into Marist being picked third. There are a lot of unproven variables on this team. I want to see Ricardo Wright take the next step. I want to see Jordan Jones be as good offensively as he is defensively. Marist will pick teams off. It's John Dunn. It's what he does. And you'll, you'll see this group in the middle of the pack. But I, re, I really think at the end of the day, this is a team in the 5-6 range. I, I don't know if third is a reasonable expectation for these guys yet. Maybe another, in another year or so, in another year like last year.
0: And I went the opposite way. I'm so not sold on them that I picked them 10th. Um, I feel like a lot, a lot of people say, ah, they're going to defend, they could make threes, but you know what, why are we assuming they are making threes? They didn't make a lot of them last year. Uh, Why, how all of a sudden are they going to be a team that suddenly score enough to, to, you know, to balance off that great defense that they're going to play? I I don't see it. I feel like that they're kind of like a poor man, St. Peter's in that way, where they're Mm -hmm. good on defense, but they're not great. And offense is going to be very three point reliant. And I'm not sold that they're all of a sudden going to make 35% from three this year. And as a team and, and jump to the top F. So, I mean, that's just my, my view on them. So I've, and again, I'm deferring to some teams that have more talent than they do as well. Teams like Quinnipiac and Manhattan. So, mm-hmm. so the next team we're going to talk about is, well, some of our fun friends uh, up North, uh, Siena Saints, our
1: favorite Mac team,
0: our favorite Mac team. Um, I still don't know if they've uh, ever recovered from... You uh... um, Anyway, back to Sienna. Uh, so, uh, I've got Sienna fifth, you've got him sixth, so we're kind of seeing him in the same spot. Some people have him as high as second or third. Um, I, don't, I was t- torn even to put him as high as I did because I think they have more question marks than anybody in the league. The thing is, they also have some answers, perhaps... Uh, and they have a guy who won two straight regular season titles. So I'm kind of giving him a little bit of a nod that said, I want to see what he can do without the two best players in the league on his, on his roster.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm giving Carmel a lot more credit too. I think he's the best, the best coach in the league after Patino and Masciello and Shaheen Holloway is right up there too with Kane Rice. You have a clear top five in terms of coaching pedigree. Sienna has talent that, they picked up in the transfer portal with Anthony Gaines with Colby Rogers with Jace Johnson. They should all be wearing name tags on the on the first day of practice because it's an entirely new team. And I, I do think ultimately it's gonna be like two years ago where nobody expected Siena to come through the clouds and have the year that it had. I think you'll see this team get better in January and February and turn into a, a championship contender going into the Mac tournament, almost exactly like nineteen twenty. I just wanna see who the who the top guy is going to be and whether or not Mike DeVito will be in the post. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) We know he has the body for it. That's right. (laughs) Or or something. (laughs) Uh, He he does uh, cover the paint. That's for sure. Uh, Anyway, that's just mean. Uh, Yeah. It's just so hard. Love you, Mikey. Yeah. (laughs) It's so hard for me to, because, you know, it's, they're the team we all love to hate down here. Uh, But, you know, I'm being, I'm trying to be objective about it and, You know, again, I don't really love their roster, but, you know, they have pieces that could potentially do some of the things you're talking about. Can they be a contender at the end? I don't know. But they can, you know, I guess they could be good. They they have potential to be good. Uh, So we'll have to wait and see. Um, So next team we're going to talk about is I think you and I are the exceptions to the rule here in that we have Fairfield. Both of us have Fairfield fourth. And a lot of folks are like Fairfield. I mean, come on, look where they were last year. Yeah, they got hot in the tournament and all that, but yeah, but they're still not good offensively. They're still not good defensively. How are they, How are you picking them fourth? All right, well, let's hear your take on it.
1: The way people feel about Marist, I feel about Fairfield. I think Jay Yonan is, is not getting anywhere near enough credit for changing the culture up there. Jake Wojcik and Zach Krizler are going to be around for a full season. Taj Benny and Jesus Cruz are – two of the most experienced players in the Mac. That's only going to help. I like the potential of Chris Meidon now that he's put on more weight and more muscle. Jason Ito Pai really came on down the stretch, and he could be a type of guy that could catch some people off guard. Fairfield has deceptively strong depth. If such a thing exists and makes sense. And the way John Dunn picked guys off, Jay Young's going to do that too. I like Fairfield here. And I'm going to like them even more next year when that arena opens up, it'll be a real home court advantage. Maybe not so much this season in Bridgeport, but I like Fairfield to be a, you know, a four or a five seed going in AC. I really loved how this group is made up. They really turned a lot of heads and impressed me in March.
0: Yeah. And, and they were really, really bad early in the year. And yet they still managed to beat Iona once um Mm -hmm. granted last year a whole the whole season you can kind of throw away almost but but then you know again they had a great february and 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 they really they were winning games that they would be they were losing earlier in the year and right and everybody's back so why are we assuming that they're going to take a step back now now yeah just because they got hot in march doesn't mean they're going to all of a sudden be great this year but there's no reason to assume they're not going to be at least pretty good uh and and unless again you just put so much stock in their overall season numbers which i know some people do so that's why i've got fairfield uh pretty high fairfield frank is very happy about that i know that so uh, oh i know he is (laughs) so we'll see if we know what we're talking about or not with them um so the next team we'll talk about is i was
1: the kod last year in the tournament so maybe not (laughs) <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> That's a good point. All right. So you've got Mammoth third. I've got him fifth. So not too far off each other there. Um, uh, you know, I, we, I think we all know what Mammoth brings to the table. Uh, what a new one new variable. Uh, so let's hear it. What do you think?
1: Okay. Shavar Reynolds. who I think is going to be an all conference point guard. This is the first time in 10 now 11 years covering the lead where I've seen an incoming transfer. You had a preseason all-conference nod side unseen. It goes to show you the respect that he's built and the level that he's played at against your old friend and my, my longtime friend, Kevin Willard, over at Seton Hall. I love Monmouth probably more so at, at any point post-Justin Robinson this year than I ever have. I think Reynolds, George Pappas, and Sam Chapoo is going to be the backcourt that everybody's going to want to emulate this season in the Mac. Marcus McLary's playing his natural position on the wing, If Walker Miller can use his size efficiently, watch out. This team is going to win some games. I I like Ruddy and Vaughn and their their potential to grow as well. Love the Hawks. If, if, if for the Defo coming back, I would have picked him second and it wouldn't have even been close.
0: Hmm. All right. Let's talk St. Peter's. Uh, I've got him third. You've got him second. I think, we all didn't know what to do with them for quite a while. And then in the 11th hour, Nadefo says, I'm coming back. And everybody's like, yes. okay, let's move St. Peter's up. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where everybody landed. So uh, obviously St. Peter's went from being probably a pretty good defensive team to a great defensive team again, just like that. Uh, can they solve their issues on the offensive end and really be a threat to Iona?
1: I think they can. I, I think Darrell Banks the third, is going to be a 15-point per game player. I want to see what the twins can do, Fusini and Hassan Drame. Doug Eddard is going to be healthy. Matthew Lee is my X factor. He was probably the most underrated guard in the match last year. We know he's a great passer. He's got to be a great scorer now. The problem with St. Peter's was when Nadefo was out of games last year, shot couldn't find consistent guys to step up. He's got the pieces, he's got an, an intriguing freshman class, and Isaiah Dasher, the transfer from Portland, who came back home to New Jersey as well. This group will make an impact right away. I just want to see how much closer they play offensively to Shah's first year when Devontae Turner was still there.
0: Hmm. All right. And that leads us to Iona. <laughs> uh, I don't think I saw any projections anywhere that didn't have Iona first. No, not a, really a surprise there. Now, one thing mm-hmm. I know that you do disagree with though, is, you know, maybe you think Iona is being a little overrated. Um, and I know you won't make some fans with that take, but I want you to oh, to, to state your claim <laughs> here and make your, make your case.
1: I'm concerned about the injuries early in the season. I, I want to see how this team develops into employing the Patino press full time now that they have the pieces and, and Rick has more of his own stamp on the roster and had a, a full off season to implement some new tactics and some new wrinkles for this team. But I also think the rest of the Mac has improved as well and has the team chemistry that Iona doesn't have in games because of all the new pieces, Joyner, Jolly, Slizinski, and Jean-Louis being out, Van Eyck being out. I think teams like St. Peter's, teams like Monmouth to an extent, even without Hammond and Martin, have an edge there and I think it proves invaluable, especially early in the season in non-conference play which leads you into the Mac. I know the Patino teams usually get better as the year goes on, but I, I want to see this team hit the ground running. And that, that'll probably change my mind a lot.
0: Well, I'll agree there with the injuries and just some wrinkles to figure out early on against a really, really tough non-conference schedule is going to probably dampen expectations a little bit. I'm, you know, a, a lot of my own fans are talking really big. Um, I, I still, want to be
1: conservative.
0: I, I, I know. And it's hard because, when you look at the roster, you look at the potential, you feel like, wow, this could be a team that can end up a 12 seed, but I just, they would have to really, really perform well out of conference. And if, if, if Barrick and and Dylan are out for any extended period of time, I don't know if they will get off to that because um, I just don't know if I think they lose too much on the defensive side of the ball. Now, by the time we get to March, yeah, I think this team will be Pretty close to the level of St. Peter's on defense, and they're going to be even more efficient offensively than than anybody saw last year, for sure, just because they're going to have a better assist to turnover ratio. They're going to be a little better on the offensive glass, I think. Um, they'll, I don't know how well they'll shoot it from three just yet, although they certainly have people who can do it. Um, there are question marks. There's no doubt about it. But the potential for greatness is there. Um, but I, just so Iona fans aren't, uh, you know, waiting outside your your office like snipers uh, ready to pick you off, I want to, I want you to give a counter argument. I want you to give a counter argument about what what this team could be like in your eyes come February and into March.
1: If all goes well, yeah, this Iona team is going to be a lot like the 2012 Iona team, where you have high major talent that is head and shoulders above the rest of the lead. And you have supporting role players who are elevated in all conference guys. I look at a Quinn Slosinski and I see a potential Sean Armand just a little taller in terms of scoring ability, rebounding ability, and even his passing ability. It it all depends on how this team gets off, gets out of the blocks and gets off to a good start. I do think in a perfect world, yeah, we're looking at probably somewhere on the 12-13 line if everything goes according to plan. Yeah.
0: All right. And just a quick, you know, there's been, I know there was some talk also, uh, you know, how can I only go 20 and 0 in the Mac? I don't think they can, but there are some who have said that they think they can. I think the Mac is in the past couple of years has been down enough where that could be the case. I don't think the Mac is down this year. I think the Mac has a chance to be a top 20 conference this year because Mm -hmm. looking at all these teams that were putting 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, they all pretty good, <laughs> so I don't see it like a three hundred plus RPI team or anything like that. Everybody's going to be two fifty at the at the worst and higher, you know. And there's going to be a bunch of teams I think that are going to be between one seventy five and two fifty.
1: Um, mm-hmm. You agree with that? I do. I, I think this is the best year that for the MAC as a whole since maybe fifteen or sixteen since the two mon years, and it's a it's about time too. The the league has suffered in recent years and with everybody on an uptick now, a lot of it has to do with guys taking the COVID year and people keeping their experience. But I do think this, this could be a top half lead for the first time in a long time. When was the last time we were that optimistic about the Mac on a, on a grand scale?
0: It's, it's been a few years. It's been six, seven years, easy. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, well, Jayden, as always, uh, we, we love your insights to the Mac. Um, we look forward to reading your stuff every week. Uh, all the Iona posters love you. Um, you. You are the Mac beat guy as far as we're all concerned, and we're thrilled that you came on here today to drop some knowledge with us, and we'll just see who's right on some of these Mac picks, me or you.
1: <laughs> my, my pleasure, Guy, and to, ev- to everybody throughout the season, just come find me. I'll be there Tuesday night. Feel free to come up and see me.
0: Sounds good. Take care, man. You too. Thanks again to Jaden Daly from Daily Dose of Hoops for stopping by to talk Mac Hoops with us. But now it's non-conference season. Here's hoping we pack Hines for these first couple games and are sitting at 2-0 at this time next week when a new episode's going to drop. Let's go, Gales. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher Guy Filotico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filotico, IonaHoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.